You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're We're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Mic check, please. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Ducks on the Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. My name is John Gordon. I'll be your host. And I'm your host, Katie Burke. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you, the DU Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are live at Discovery Park of America in Union City, Tennessee, and we have a special guest, Scott Williams here. He is the president. Yep, president, president. CEO. CEO. I don't know why it matters. Which one was we're going with? I do anything. All of the above. (laughs) Well, we'll introduce you, but let's start. What is Discovery Park of America? Because our audience is all over the country. Yeah, absolutely. So, Discovery Park of America is a surprising place for anyone who hasn't gotten a chance uh, to visit. We're located up here in Northwest Tennessee in Union City. We're about an hour from Paducah, about an hour and a half from Jackson, two hours from Memphis, three hours from Nashville. So we're up here right next to Real Foot Lake, almost to Kentucky. Um, We were uh, first envisioned by Robert Kirkland, who was a businessman and philanthropist here, um, who was from Union City, Tennessee. A lot of folks out there may remember shopping at Kirkland stores years ago. They're um, still out there. Are they still out there? Yeah, okay, I got well, one in uh, Carnival. Oh, there, okay, there you go. So you, you, you're you familiar. Next time you go by there, you'll remember, oh, that's that's who that is. 
So for those of you who have not, who are not shoppers, um, it's <laughs> like a Pier One Imports. Yeah. Uh, they would have uh, all types of furniture and home decorating from all over the world um, in the stores. And so Robert Kirkland uh, did that because his parents had a five and dime and he uh, worked for them, learned the retail business, and then he got to travel all over the world buying things to resell them. And what he what he discovered for his own self is that um, travel, experiencing new things really opened up the world uh, to you. And so he wanted that for all the people that live here in this region. So yeah, he that's knew, interesting. Yeah, he knew a lot of people wouldn't get to travel, wouldn't get to go right. to China. Um, and so he really wanted to bring that whole world here uh, to Northwest Tennessee. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can feel that a lot. I'm from a little town. So that desire to want people to experience the world, even though they might not have the opportunities that to do that. So he wanted right. to bring that here. That's really cool. And a lot of people don't know what they don't know, like all of us. Yeah. And so you don't really realize maybe what you're missing out on if you haven't gotten to travel a lot. A lot of times, young people, when they visit here, um, it's their first time to see an escalator. And so if you're seeing an escalator, and it's amazing how excited they get by it. <laughs> so imagine what we can do with this $100 million museum and heritage park that Robert Kirkland built. How many acres are you on? It's 50 acres. 50 acres. Um, the museum itself uh, is uh, 100,000 square feet. We have about 12 galleries uh, that include everything from science to art to technology to history. Um, there's a transportation gallery. Um, you know, people 100% of the time when they come here for their first time are walking around with their mouth open. Yeah, and this is my first time to come here. And I did not realize, I knew that they had the main building, but going on around this building is so much as well. Like, for example, Let's paint a picture of where we're sitting and you can do that. I'll do my best. <laughs> um, so we're in uh, what we call the settlement um, and it's a group of uh, large cabins that have been actually brought in from all over the region and put back together again here. This particular cabin that we're in is called the Trapper's Cabin. And it looks like maybe what a Trapper's Cabin might have looked like if he um, had a really great decorator. Um, <laughs> back in the um, mid-1800s, there are um, uh, a lot of really beautiful taxidermied animals uh, hanging I'm guessing on the he walls. didn't have access to moose. Well, he brought that with him when he <laughs> came here from Canada. David Crockett was from this mm -hmm. area. He was a big hunter. This is not a cabin he lived in, but, but we also have a tribute to David Crockett in a lot of ways right. here. Uh, there's a big screen behind you that's not playing right now, but that plays David Crockett series. Uh, so people can see that. And there are David Crockett books all throughout you all know, right. this place yeah. so that people can experience it. So um, it's also... Um, you know, a place where we're we're getting ready to completely revamp this whole space, you know, okay. for the exhibit that, that you and okay. I have been talking about. Oh, that's cool. So what else is on these grounds besides there's a museum space, obviously these cabins, and then there's a few other things out here. Sure, yeah. The um a couple of the things on the inside that's really that people really enjoy. Um, there's an earthquake simulator. So, what, well, we should talk about that because you're about by real flakes. So why is there an earthquake simulator? So there were a series of earthquakes in 1811 and 1812. They started off as little uh, uh, mini earthquakes. Most people left the area. There were very few people here, uh, maybe some Indian tribes that were hunting. Um, but it, this particular around Real Foot Lake was not necessarily a place that people lived and there okay. weren't a lot of settlers there um, at that time. 1811 and 12, there started to be earthquakes. And then in 1812, the big one hit. We're right 
right over here. We're on um, a fault line. And so the earthquake split the ground open and it was such a huge force that they say they've proven that the church bells rang in Philadelphia. That's how much it rocked uh, the whole side of the country. So did the river really run backwards? The Mississippi River r- ran backwards to fill up the gap that was made, and Real Foot Lake was born. Okay, so that's true. That is a true story. Okay. Um, it sounds kind of... It does. Well, it sounds very, um, very, yeah, it sounds very crazy, but it really did happen. It uh, created a space that then became, for obvious reasons, filled with wildlife of all kinds. Um, David Crockett was one of the first settlers in this area, and he wrote about shot, about um, hunting and what he would shoot at Real Foot Lake and uh, fishing. And, you know, it was just a lot of Native Americans then started coming through. And so anyway, it just became a beautiful uh, place for people to both live and work and, um, and hunt. What else is that? So yeah, just what else look is up that the highlights. Okay, I'm sorry. So um, the earthquake simulator yep. tells that story, but in a way that you're actually experiencing the earthquake. Okay. Um, and then we have uh, 3D movies that, you know, tell, um, they, they rotate a lot of the IMAX 3D movies. Yeah, yeah. We have a transportation gallery that has um, about 30 vintage cars that always blow people's minds when they see that. We have an actual Titan missile out back in our STEM landing. That's actually a Titan missile that came from NASA, um, which the that's a lot of fun to see. We have a whole military gallery with the gigantic helicopter from Vietnam, a oh, lot wow. of uh, missiles, of tanks, um, everything you can, can imagine. We have a Native American gallery where you can experience um, a lot of the tools and the art and the life of Native Americans. And that's just some of the things that are inside. Outside, um, we have a Robert Kirkland, um, this is a funny story, Robert Kirkland wanted a train. Uh-huh. And so he said, get me a train. And they were like, we can't find a train. He's like, you get me a train. <laughs> he That was something he really wanted. So they searched and searched. And finally, they found one that was in storage in Gatlinburg. Okay. And it had come from, I believe, Norway. And it was from Norway in the 60s. So it's a really funky train. But they brought it all the way here to O'Brien County and set the locomotive. We have the caboose. We have all the cars, sleeper car, eating car. And you can basically just walk all the way through it. Um, We're currently adding to that area. We're adding a main stage performance center. So that'll be something that'll be premiering this summer that we're really excited about. There's There's a row of statues here. Um, sculptures, um, uh, a row of people that Robert Kirkland really respected and appreciated their work. So there's Ronald Reagan, there's Abraham Lincoln, there's Thomas Jefferson, and there's Ayn Rand, you know, who was a writer (laughs) that, you know. uh, Fountainhead. And he passed out (laughs) copies of Fountainhead to his friends and family. So he was big, very passionate about her. There's a Right over in that same area, there's a reproduction of the Liberty Bell made by the same foundry that made the original Liberty Bell. So it's to scale um, and everything. So I have a nerdy museum question. Okay. Since it's such an eclectic collection, what was his or what was the museum's? I don't know if it was the museum at that time or if it was Kirkland himself before the museum opened. What was his, I guess, focus in collecting? Like how was he acquiring objects? How is he thinking about his acquiring up? Like, what was he thinking about while he was doing that? That's a great question. So Robert Kirkland wanted a center of education. And he didn't know exactly what all that would be. But he put an ad in the paper and said, meet me in the library. I'm going to build a center of education. If you want to be part of it, 
meet me in the library. So 250 members of the community came out. Oh, that's amazing. And he divided the room into science, technology, history, marketing, uh, communications, other. And he said, go to the table that you're the most interested in that topic. And so people got up and went around and, and they sat down and he said, okay, you are the committees. I want <laughs> you to meet. I want you to bring me back. I'm going to pay for it, but I want you to bring me back what you think would be in a center of education. And those became the committees and each group focused on their particular area. He then took all of that information to museum professionals mm -hmm. and said, um, here's what we want to build. And then they started working on it with using that. And so he got a lot of input from a lot of people. His very first really big major artifact he purchased was a woolly mammoth that you can see up next to our aquarium. I should have mentioned we have an aquarium filled <laughs> with fish from Real Foot Lake. Um, but the woolly <laughs> mammoth was his first buy. And from there, he just acquired all of the things that you see here inside and out. He would send people out to go to car auctions and yeah. they would be on the phone calling back, you know, saying, do I keep bidding? Do I keep, and he would keep bidding. He really honestly spared no expense yeah. when it came to Discovery Park, which is interesting because as an individual, he was very frugal. Mm -hmm. You know, he really uh, wasn't a person who was outrageous. He and his wife, who was a delightful uh, a lady that I got to know a little bit before she passed away as well. But, you know, they, they were not showy. Mm -hmm. They were just good, hardworking, you know, honest people. And except when it came to Discovery Park, he literally spared no expense. Oh, he wanted great. the best for the people of this region. And so that's why there's so, the quality here is what oh, yeah. people always walk around and say, this is insane how great this is. Oh yeah, especially you know? like the location. Who owns the museum now? Sure, we're a 501c3 nonprofit. So the world owns yeah. uh, owns the museum. Does the towns, the community still have a big input into the museum? Oh, absolutely. Before we do any exhibit, before we do any major steps, we do what Robert Kirkland did and we convene a group of people. Um, we opened a uh, exhibit on innovation in agriculture uh, last year and it came out of you know, we would call them focus groups in the marketing biz, but but they're just groups of people that we would pull together who work in agriculture. And we would say, hey, if you're going to build an exhibit on agriculture, what would you put in it? And they would tell us, and we learned so much, not right. being a farmer myself, obviously, yeah. I would learn a lot from people who are, people who work in um, the science of agriculture, professors at UT Martin, folks who drive a tractor, young, old. We really just had, you know, about 10 focus groups where we heard a lot. One, one of the groups that we did focus groups with were young people who were like elementary school age. Yeah. And we asked them things like, describe a farmer. And of course they said, um, overalls, boots, <laughs> drives a tractor, you know? And so we learned right away, you know, we've got to figure out a way to help young people know that's not who is a farmer, yeah. you know, that folks who work in agriculture are all ages and colors and sexes and, and that it's a great career uh, yeah. path to choose. I literally sent my daughter to school in a, as a farmer today. Oh, excellent. <laughs> so, oh, that's funny. That's ironic. <laughs> that was like yeah. her, it, they learned about farms this week. And oh, so we it's all awesome. had to go. They tell, tell the teachers they need to bring I do a field will. trip here to our <laughs> ag center as part of, as part of 
the results of those focus groups uh, and the farmer saying the same thing is people don't know who we are, what we do. They have a lot of uh, misunderstandings. So as part of the exhibit on the walls, we traveled around to farm shows and ag shows in the Mid-South and we had a photo booth and we took headshots of all the people working in agriculture and those cover the walls. And so when people go in, they can see 250 people who have chosen agriculture as a career. All right. And and, well, it depends on what agriculture you're in too. Like it's very wide diverse, like of who those people are, if they're cotton versus cow versus dairy farm, like, it's such a wide variety. Well, and, you know, the whole point of the exhibit is by 2050, um, the world is going to be so many more people that if we don't figure out a way to innovate when it comes to our food, fuel, and fiber, we're going to be in trouble. Oh, so right. that's what the whole exhibit looks at yep. is how farmers are working today to try to uh, meet the needs of their children and grandchildren that are coming behind them. Yeah, and, you know, and then with us as Ducks Unlimited, we work with farmers also to find that, like, happy ground that... They are still producing food and having their livelihood, but we're also saving those wild places and those wetlands. So there's a lot to it. Oh, absolutely. More to it than just and we need the best and the brightest to want to choose things like conservation and agriculture. And they need to understand that's a career. Yeah. You know, so that's what that exhibit is all about. And that came, to answer your question, that came out of us bringing people together and dialoguing about the topic, just like Robert Kirkland did, to get Discovery Park of America. And that remains what we try to do. When you work in the museum business, you have to check boxes like, are you a children's museum, a science museum, a history museum, an art museum? And honestly, I have to check every single box because we are every, we are all of that. And then some, um, I was just talking to a group of students who were visiting here who were from a hospitality and tourism class. And, you know, I was able to say, you know, honestly, a Discovery Park of America would not make sense even in Nashville or LA or it's just too big. It's too much. It, it It's too much of a, it's a too big of an investment. So right. we're all lucky that Robert Kirkland chose to put this here so that it can help all of the, the people who are visiting just for fun or the school groups that come and visit. Yeah. And you know, you talk about your focus groups and it's really interesting. And I like, I really like the way, cause if you go to, you know, the MIG museum conference and everything, like there's all this, talk about inclusion, everyone's voices, and it can almost get, and not in a negative way, because it's I'm glad they're doing this, but it, you can almost, the voices get drowned out because they're over, the professionals are talking about inclusion, but they're not necessarily talking to the people that need to be included. And what here you are, you're talking to that community, and that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And it helps too that we're a convener. So we want to be a convener. So um, take, for example, to continue that that thread, the Ag Center that we have here, there's not a week that goes by that some ag organization or school group is not here using our uh, Nutrient Ag Solutions main stage. Um, and, you know, it is called the Simmons Bank Ag Center. And so it's, you know... Having people appreciate having a place to come that has sort of a, an ag theme around them while they're meeting about ag is really helpful. Yeah, that's really great. So um, we kind of went way into Discovery Park and we did not talk about you at all. So let's go back okay. and talk about you and talk about how you got into this role and basically sure. just that. Give me a little bit of your background. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, I'm a, a born and bred Memphian, uh, went to Briarcrest, uh, went to the University of Memphis, 
uh, was fortunate enough to get uh, eventually through, a, I majored in journalism with a concentration in advertising, was able to work in a lot of different advertising agencies and Memphis companies, eventually landed at Elvis Presley Enterprises. Okay. Uh, ended up being there for 12 years. And that's where I really discovered the cross-section of uh, history, tourism, uh, museums, how it all kind of came together. Right, that's just, not a traditional museum route. Yeah. Correct. Right. And, you know, most of the time when you have someone who's running a museum, it'll be somebody who is, you know, the, the, a professor in the area that that museum is, whether it's art or science or technology. So, uh, mine was a little different. Mine was through rock and roll. So, uh, <laughs> I got to work with Elvis Presley Enterprises in Graceland for 12 years and such an amazing organization, a fantastic group of people that still work there today. I worked with a lot of them then and, and they're still there and they're doing some incredible work. And it, I was blessed to be able to work on things like the uh, Elvis Cirque du Soleil show, the Elvis Broadway play, oh. um, anything that had Elvis on it, I got to be a part of contributing to that. And so it was just a blast. And we ended up wanting to do an exhibit on Elvis and free expression with the folks at the museum in Washington, D.C. And so I worked with them closely on that. I actually went to D.C. for the premiere of the exhibit, was instrumental in the marketing and promotions part of it with my team. And then they uh, shot me an email and said, hey, we know you liked working with us. We liked working with you. Have you ever thought about, you know, oh, changing jobs? And my wife, I uh, was just graduating from the University of Memphis with a degree in art history. And I had two daughters, My have two daughters. My youngest was going into the sixth grade. And my oldest was going into the eighth grade. So those were kind of nice. Everybody yeah. was at like a nice little transition point yeah. where it felt like it was meant to be. Um, so we did. So we packed up, moved to Washington, D.C., and stayed there about seven years um, where I ended up being the president and COO of the museum museum right there on Pennsylvania Avenue, it's right amazing. across from the National Gallery of Art. Uh, just some incredible people there doing doing great work. Learned so much from working there. When you have, you know, we would have, you know, 700,000 to a million visitors a year. When you have that many people coming through to do something, you learn a lot. Yes. <laughs> so and got, you learn, it's, it's odd. I, I don't think museum people really understand like the little things you learn, like, I mean, just like a plaque will work and not work. <laughs> like, like you learn so much versus just having that many people interact with it. It's, it's, it's very, it's, you learn so much doing that. And you just really, at the end of the day, you learn how to keep your cool and just yeah. try to f solve the problem. And sometimes problems are solved. And sometimes you just have to say, you know what, this one did, this didn't work uh -huh. out. Yeah. And we're going to learn from it, move on. So yeah. um, it's, it's it just, uh, it's so, so I got to work there and it was fantastic. And of course, I love Tennessee. I love genealogy and history. And my whole family goes back to the early 1800s in Tennessee. So I have a genealogy website. I'm a huge genealogy nerd. <laughs> uh, I would actually sometimes fly back here just to go to libraries in Haywood County, Tennessee. And, you know, I, so so I've stayed in touch with all of my Tennessee friends. And, and I never stopped feeling like I was a Memphian and a Tennessean. So um, a friend of mine, Marinita Bondurant, who I had worked with at Baptist in Memphis, uh, she said, hey, there's a, um, here's what I'm doing. You might like find this interesting. And, and I 
you know, didn't necessarily throw my hat in the ring for the president job, but I did make myself available to talk to them and share what we were doing at the museum with them. And, and I just fell in love with the mission and the people and the place. And so when was that? What was that at the point of this? Like, where five, is it? It was five on? years ago. And so, oh, sorry, it was four years ago. Next year will be our 10th. Our tenth birthday. Okay. So Discovery Park had been around around five years. Um, the uh, current uh, president Jim Rippey was a really good friend of Robert Kirkland, and he was ready to retire uh, and move on. And so you know, it it like you mentioned, usually when you are going to be the president of a museum, it's on the topic of what your past was. So you know, my past was kind of unique. So this is a unique place. So it really was just a marriage made in heaven. Yeah, and you have so much experience in so many different places. So, and that kind of helps. Yeah. Yeah. It, it helps because there's so, specific exactly, thing. so many topics here, you know, that it's kind of hard to, to, you know, figure out what you're going to focus yeah, and on. And I'm sure that journalism background helps well too, because that's also giving you, having to see the world, not just from one you know, lens, but you're looking at it in a much bigger lens. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's been, it's been really, it's, this has been a beautiful marriage of my particular skill set, which is very unusual and a, and a, <laughs> a crazy, huge museum, you know, that yeah. is very similar in many ways to the museum in Washington and in a lot of ways to Graceland and the business that they yeah, have there. Yeah, I can see that. It's a, you wouldn't think about it till you like really put it together, but yeah, I can see that. Yeah. All right. Well, this is a good spot to take a break. So we'll be right back. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Everybody, welcome back to the show. 
Scott and I are going to talk a little bit about his upcoming exhibit. Um, to join us, we have past president George Dunklin. Uh, welcome, George. Hey, good to hear from you. Good to hear from you. We've been working, us and George and quite a few other people, on this exciting new exhibit you have. Can you kind of start off by kind of giving us a little bit of a, a taste of what that's going to be or what you're working on? Sure, absolutely. So uh, as we discussed in the first segment of the show, we take a lot of our cues from the public and from the people that we hear from who are in the area. Discovery Park of America is one of our unique things about us is we're located here in the Mississippi Flyway. Uh, we're close to Real Foot Lakes. We have a lot of uh, duck hunters and conservationists and, and folks in the area. And so we thought, hey, maybe we need to focus a little more on that uh, because when people come here to visit Real Foot Lake, it'd be great for them to have you know a place they could come that would accompany that right. and sort of give more context to that story. So we have wa- water here at Discovery Park. We have cabins as the one that, that we're all sitting in today. And so we started to flesh that out more. And as we talked about with ag, with the ag exhibit and with Discovery Park to begin with, we love to bring people together and ask, hey, what should we do? So we probably, I mean, we've probably talked to a hundred different individuals who are either duck hunters or conservationists or educators or people who are passionate about uh, waterfowl hunting or conservation. And we've said, what, what stories do we need to tell? What do people need to know? Now, obviously, your listeners, many have been uh, duck hunting and they've been members of Ducks Unlimited since they were little kids. And so, but our audiences don't know anything. So they'll be coming in here and they won't know anything about duck hunting or conservation or waterfowl in general. So, so we ask, what should we tell? And that's how we met, of course, Ducks Unlimited is, you know, is yeah. the, the, they own the space as they say. And so with you all, we went to you and said, Hey, what do we need to do? How do we, how do we tell the story because you guys have been doing it, you know, for decades. And so it's a great relationship. And, and through that, we met our good friend, George. Yeah, that's funny. Um, I've known George a really long time um, through Ducks Unlimited and through my dad. And as I knew him when I was in high school and um, we were on one of these calls. How many people are on these calls? These Zoom I mean, calls? It just depends. Some of them, we would have 30 people. Yeah. Some of them, we'd have six or seven. You know, some of them would get pretty big. Yeah. So we were on one of these loud, like huge Zoom calls. And I see George Dunklin, a little face and a little square up there. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> hi. I know him. <laughs> so, yeah, I know you. <laughs> so we, and then as soon as we get off the call, I think George calls me right away. And then we kind of start talking about our involvement. And from there, George, can you kind of talk a little bit about how we have stepped in and have kind of contributed to this space as well? Sure, Katie. And um, thank, thanks again for having me because this, this is a great story to tell. And this exhibit is going to be phenomenal. I got involved with Discovery through a a mutual friend of Scott's and mine, Lisa Hummer, well, Lisa Sears, but her maiden name was Hummer. And Lisa's brother, Alan, was my closest friend in the world. And he, uh, his father, uh, Bill, or we always call him his grandfather's name, Poppy, uh, loved Discovery Park. And he had been telling me about Discovery Parks, but I, I had no idea until we went unfortunately, to his celebration of life service here July of 21 after he died, how phenomenal this place was. And uh, and, and Alan, my good friend, had, had passed away from COVID uh, in January 3rd of 2021. So 
when Lisa presented me this idea about the, uh, that Scott wanted that the Scott and the team at Discovery wanted to have this waterfowl exhibit. I mean, this is going to be a yeah, a, a tremendous a million dollar plus waterfowl exhibit, probably nothing else like it in the country. Um, would Ducks Unlimited like to be a part of that? And I, 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 I went back to our Ducks Unlimited folks and started talking to them. And then I also wanted to be able to bring in and honor the Hammer family. The Hammers are from Fulton, which is just a few miles to the north, probably less than 10 miles to the north of where the museum's located. They had an affiliation with the museum, a real passion for the museum. And it just looked like to me a perfect marriage between Ducks Unlimited, the Hammer family, with waterfowl. And is uh, th- this museum is, is going to be seen by so many hundreds and thousands of people each year. Um, it's going to be able to see what Ducks Unlimited is about, see what waterfowl and conservation, see how important that is to our country and what we do, and, and how the Mississippi Flyway, which just is right in the heart of the flyway, how important that is, and, and you know, it just it just felt good all the way around. It was just it just one of those. This is this is the right thing to do. And so we got I got together with DU and the Hammer family, and we we uh, kind of came up with a, a funding plan for it, where uh, people are donating in honor of the Hammer family, and it's going through DU, but the money's being to go to, to the museum. So that that's kind of a, a long story of how I got there, but I'm um, very proud of it to be part of this. My wife and I, Olivia, are very excited to be part of this, along with the DU family to be part of this. This is something a little bit out of the box, Katie, than we normally get involved with DU. We, our money almost always goes to the habitat, and this is very rare. So this is an exception. But also education is critical uh, that we reach out to, to folks that, that don't understand the importance of wetlands and the benefits they bring to, uh, to all of us in this country. So I just thought this is a perfect way. And this in this facility is just you have to go see. There's no way you can describe Discovery Park of America unless you set foot on. There's absolutely no way. The Kirkham family that built this just did they did it right and unlike anything else I know of in the country. No, and you say that and us we have our museum and and there are other waterfowling museums across the country, but the one thing that this is going to offer that none of them are is this beginners look into it, um, very accessible, a little more accessible to the younger audience and kind of that early education that then you could go to these other places and you can get a deeper dive into the history of waterfowling. But this is really going to give that intro look into conservation and waterfowling, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people are clueless, you know, about where those, where those, Two areas intersect, and the importance yes. of wetlands, and and the implication of of not having uh, what would the world be like if there weren't the ducks unlimited, and there weren't people looking out for this. So anyway, the, all those things have has been fascinating to all of us who are working on the exhibit on this side, who knew nothing really, even though we live here, we knew very little right. about about um, waterfowl and conservation, and how. And so it's just been amazing to learn what all is going on. We didn't know what we didn't know, and so we're so excited to share that with our visitors. Yeah, that's really exciting. Because yeah, even at the pyramid, one of the most common questions we get is, "How does hunting contribute to conservation?" Absolutely, it's always there, and and this will be a really good chance. Like, you know, we kind of have a baseline when you walk into the pyramid that you have a little bit of a baseline knowledge when you walk in. You know, it, it kind of it has a little bit, but there is kind of that 
baseline. And, and it should be. We're in a waterfowl hunting section of a Bass Pro. Like you kind of come in with a little bit of a baseline knowledge. So this will be really great to have a place that can kind of get people to that point and teach them about waterfowling. So they're not like, yeah, they have a little more going in. So they can go see these other exhibits and they can learn more about, they can dive a little bit into that um, that topic a little bit more. Or and then, you hunt. know, the other part of this is as we can hear right now, we all around us are kids screaming and having fun. Yeah. And so that's one thing that we feel like we can bring to the, to the partnership yeah. or hundreds of thousands of school groups, you know, coming through who will be exposed to this and who will learn, learn brand new things I didn't even know about. Yeah, we're not just a clothing brand. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> although, although you know, I'm sitting across from some really cool Zucks Unlimited jackets. So, and I got a hat you guys brought me. So, you know, hey, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> All right. So before we move on from this, is there anything either of you would like to add um, for our audience that we haven't really talked on? You know, Katie, Katie, I like this. The only thing else I'd like to add, this ties really well in with our wings over water uh, IMAX movie that we that is being introduced around the country right now and its audience is about the same it's about it's, it's trying to get out to reach to uh, children uh, 10 to 12 14 year old market that that doesn't know anything about waterfowl and wetlands and how this works and I, I don't know um, how many have seen that movie because it's just now getting around the IMAX theaters but it just ties in perfectly with what we're doing at, 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 at the park and and that we're hitting a market that that doesn't understand uh, the importance of these wetlands. So I think outreach and education is nothing more important than we can do at Ducks Unlimited. We really want to make sure we we have these incredible migrations of, of millions of waterfowl that are happening right now as we speak, as we do this podcast. I'm, I'm sitting here in Stuttgart, Arkansas, watching speckled belly geese fly over my head. Uh, it's because of the work that Ducks Unlimited and, and other state agencies and U.S. Fish and Wildlife and private landowners and duck hunters have done for decades and decades. I mean, DE's been around for over 85 years now. Um, it, it's just, it's an amazing story to tell. And, and as you say, when people walk in to see our facility there at Bass Pro, they have some understanding. They're, 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 if they love the outdoors or they have some knowledge, we're going to hit a market here that hasn't, basically no knowledge and so it's it's going to be exciting to, to see the faces of these children as they see how all this works just like when we watch that Admax movie oh no i can't wait to see their their faces yeah yeah the magic of the migration it's just it's just a, a miracle how this happens every year anyway we're trying to be part of it can't wait scott till we have the opening i'm really i think we're shooting for october of 23 isn't that right yeah, that yeah. was my next question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, and and you know what? It, things like things like this exhibit wouldn't happen without people like George, without people like the Kirklands who have a passion for something and want to use a museum. You're in the museum business, yeah. and so you and I know, you know, this is what museums are all about. They're not places where stuffy, you know, things no. happen. They're they're interactive. They're places where people can learn and grow and develop. And without folks like George and the rest of the Ducks Unlimited team, this wouldn't be happening. So we're really grateful um, as uh, people here who are passionate about what we do. We're really grateful to combine the two passions and create something absolutely magnificent. Well, this is really exciting. I can't wait. Well, thank you both for coming on the show. Um, is there anything you want to add, Scott? You know you what? Good? Just uh, discoveryparkofamerica.com for all the details. Yeah, and come thank visit. Thank you, George. Thank you, George. 
Okay. Thank you, Katie. Scott. Appreciate you guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Scott, thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks to our producer, Chris Isaac. And thanks to you, our listeners, for supporting wetlands and waterfowl conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. Stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're We're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside.